you would do me a favor if you'd all stand up and give it up for my friend, Marty Blackwelder. Thank you, Pastor. Well, if you're happy to be here this morning, shout amen. amen. Turn to someone, tell them you love them. You're glad to see them as you're being seated. Hey, we're going to have a good time this morning. How many of you would rather be here than in the hospital? Amen. Hey. How many of you would rather be here than in jail? <laughs> I asked that question one morning, man. This woman jumped up on the front row. She started dancing. I said, what in the world? She said, I just got out of jail. I said, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Uh, we love your pastors. Enjoyed our fellowship together. Excited about being here with you this, this weekend. We're going to have a great time. Listen, I, I know that the CDs are kind of a passing thing now with 25 and younger. You haven't bought a CD probably in years, but... Uh, anyway, I've got some CDs out there. I used to call it a book table, but there's no books. It's just CDs. And you can go to our down our, our uh, website. I've got a I've got a, a bookmark. Take it as free. You can download stuff if you prefer to do that. But I've got some teaching CDs. This is called Empowered for Living. Uh, basically, uh, this is a line upon line, precept upon precept teaching on what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a distinct difference, friends, between being born of the Spirit and being baptized with the Spirit. There's a difference between the Spirit within and the Spirit upon. So I give you some, um, just no-nonsense approach. I was 18 years old, actually, in the charismatic renewal. And I, went to, I was raised Southern Baptist, and I went to a, a Catholic Bible study came out baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. If that sounds a little strange to you, here's some good information. Anybody want this CD? All right, praise God. And then go out there, and uh, anything you get out there will be a blessing to you, but it will also be a blessing to us. Then this is a CD teaching called I'm Just Saying. And we talk about the fact that as spirit beings, our words have a tremendous impact on our natural lives. So we just talk about maintaining the, the, the victorious confession and, and look at the, the you know, the uh, inside workings of your words. And then this is called a simple guide to faith. We just give you some basic principles of how to access God's realm of promise and provision, bring them out of the unseen realm into the seen, out of the intangible into the tangible. And that's through the avenue of faith. So these two CDs together really make a good, complete picture. And then we've got some good music out there. Might be a little retro for some of you, but it's a lot of fun. One of them's called He'll Do It Again. Uh, and then this is a, a, an instrumental called In His Presence. I sat down for about, I don't know, 45 minutes, played out of my spirit. No particular melodies, you know, just uh, piano and strings. It's great for praying, uh, worshiping, meditating. All right. How many of you have your Bibles or your devices? Wave them. Make the devil mad. Amen. They're going to put some scriptures up here on the screen as we go. But uh, we're going to have a great time uh, this morning. And then let me encourage you. I know you normally don't have a Sunday night service, but come on back if you can, because you'll miss half your life if you don't. I'm not going to keep you all night, but we're going to have a great time in the presence of God. All right? Come be refreshed, all right, and strengthened. But this morning, I, I want to concentrate on one particular area. Uh, you know, uh, as we said, it's a blessing to be with you this weekend. We believe in your pastors. We believe in the call and the destiny upon this church. Uh, I don't know if you realize it, but something very dear to the heart of God is the local church. How many of you realize that? In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, and they'll put the scriptures as I call them for you, Jesus said these words. He said, uh, 
What did he say? <laughs> he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Ever since Jesus uttered those words, he's been busy building his church, establishing his kingdom, the ecclesia, the elect, those who are called out and separated from the world, separated unto his divine purpose, and empowered to establish his kingdom and his will in the earth. That's you and me. And probably one of the most important decisions and significant decisions you'll ever make in your life as a Christian is where you go to church. That one decision will have tremendous impact on your life as a Christian. As a matter of fact, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you know these scriptures, verse 18. 1 Corinthians 12 and 18, notice what the writer Paul uh, has to say. He said, God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. Now notice, not as it has pleased us, right? So one translation says, uh, the Moffat translation says, God has placed every member of the body right where he wanted it. So what that tells me and what that should tell you is that where I go to church, friends, is not so much a matter of personal preference as much as it is a matter of divine placement. And there are several reasons for that. First of all, every sheep needs a shepherd and a sheepfold. What do, we need? what do we mean by that? Every sheep needs a local church, every believer, and they need a pastor. And so God will place us. Once we're born again, God will place you in a local church under the care of a pastor where you can be fed the Word of God. You can grow up spiritually you can be nurtured and protected as a young believer. You can be preserved and encouraged as a mature believer. And also where you and I can receive the necessary revelations, spiritual equipment, impartations to make sure that we navigate our journey and path in this life successfully and fulfill our destiny, whether it be in ministry, business, life, whatever the case may be. So where we go to church is very, very important. Can you say amen? Now also, the local church is where we find our significance as a Christian. It's where our individual purposes are discovered within the context of the corporate purpose. How many of you realize that? None of us, friends, as a Christian, were created to be an entity unto ourselves. Isolation is never a good thing, right? None of us were created to be an entity unto ourselves. Uh, our lives, our destinies, our purposes as Christians are interconnected in Christ. And so my life as a Christian, your life as a Christian can only find its true significance when we discover how we relate to the body of Christ as a whole. And that discovery primarily takes place within the context of the local church. That's why we're encouraged in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. It says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Right? But what? 
exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So the local church is a place where we should develop relationships. We should encourage one another. We should exhort one another. We should stand by one another. Are you listening? I'm a strong advocate for the local church. I was born and raised in the local church. I served in the local church all of my life. I was trained in the local church. I met my wife in the local church. Our ministry was launched from the local church. And a lot of our ministry today is still to the local church. Praise God for the local church. Can you say amen? So, once again, I said to you that where you and I go to church is not so much a matter of personal preference. People think it is. But according to the Word of God, God places us. So it's not a matter of personal preference as much as it is a matter of divine placement if we are listening. And I said to you there's several reasons for that. First of all, God knows what you're going to need as a Christian, as a believer, to navigate your course in life successfully. He knows the people that you need to come in contact with. He knows the divine connections and relationships that need to be established because it could be something very significant for you in the line of business, right? In the lives of your kids, uh, some want to stand with you in tough times of life. God knows who we need to be joined with. And he will bring people to local churches so that those relationships can be established, so those divine connections can be made. As I said to you, none of us are an entity unto ourselves. Our lives, our purposes, our destinies are interconnected in Christ. And God knows where to send us and who we need to send under to receive the revelations necessary, the spiritual equipment necessary to navigate this thing successfully and come out uh, into our, the fullness of our destiny. Are you listening? So, you know, that's important. And I said all that to say you're in the right place at the right time with the right people this morning. Woo! Now, it's not all about what we can receive. You understand there are not only personal destinies, friends. When you were born into this earth, the Bible says, as he said to Jeremiah, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And I called you as a prophet under the nations. No one in this room took God by surprise. He knew each one of us before we were formed in our mother's womb. And he said, I have a plan. I have a purpose. I have a destiny for your life. I want you to impact this world. And I want you to impact other people's lives for the kingdom of God in a powerful way. Yeah. Woo! So he knows us. There's a destiny, there's a purpose, but there's not only personal destinies, there are corporate destinies, yeah. right? God plants churches in communities, and then he gathers people to make sure it comes to pass. So there are corporate destinies, Exodus 31, 1 through 6. Little lengthy passage, but let's read it. Exodus 31, 1 through 6, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I've called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, 
the son of the tribe of Judah, and I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and an understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works, to work in gold and silver and in brass and in the cutting of stones, to set them and in the carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. And behold, I've given with him Aholiab. How do you like these names? The son of Ahishma of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom. Now, I want you to notice this phrase, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. And then verse 11, same chapter. And the anointing oil and the sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded thee, shall they do. <laughs> so God said, Moses, yes, sir. I want you to build me a tabernacle. Wonderful. And he said, I've given you the commission, but now I'm going to gather people around you with the talents and the gifts and the abilities to make sure that what I've commissioned you to accomplish comes into fruition. Are you listening? All that I've commanded thee shall they do. So when God calls a pastor to a church, to a city, to a place, he simultaneously calls a people if those people are listening and they will carry the gifts, the graces, the talents, the resources necessary to bring that vision into fruition. Now, every church has its unique, what we call DNA. You know, every person in this room has your unique DNA. Every church has its unique DNA, its unique spiritual culture. Not every church is supposed to be the same because there are different purposes upon different churches and different assignments. So if you're here this morning and God has brought you here and drawn you here by His Spirit, then you've been appointed to this house and you're carrying certain gifts, graces, abilities, and talents that can supply this house to make sure that it comes to full fruition. Woo! Anybody happy about it? Glory. So why are you saying this to us this, this morning, Brother Marty? Why are you saying this? Because I'm convinced, as I said to you already, you're in the right place at the right time with the right people. And you're, you're, you're in a good season. You know, um, the, the Scripture says in Proverbs 4.18, it says, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter until it reaches full strength at noonday. So as a Christian, our path or our journey, if we're following the Spirit of God, if we're growing in the Word of God, if we're plugged into the place He set us, our path should be growing brighter and brighter, not dimmer and dimmer. Are you listening? So our lives as a Christian is described in the Scripture as one that goes from faith to faith. Strength to strength, glory to glory. So there's a progression. Well, if it would be God's divine intention for our personal lives as a Christian to go from faith to faith, strength to strength, glory to glory, if he would have our path grow brighter and brighter personally, then quite naturally the same intention would hold true for the corporate and collective body of Christ and specifically the local church. Are you listening? So, I said all that to say, I believe you're in a good place. I believe you're poised for a change of seasons here. 
that your path is going to grow brighter and brighter. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven, God said. And, and I believe you're in a, in, a, in, a, in a place where you're poised, so to speak, you know, for, for some steps forward on this path that's growing brighter and brighter. Now, now I, wanna, I want you to stretch forth your hands because I, I feel I have an unction here for your pastor's joint hands, if you will. Rick and Leah, right? Stretch your hands, if you will. Let's, let's pray for your pastors. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for this house. Thank you for these people. Thank you for these pastors. For I, I hear the Spirit saying, the years that you have labored heretofore, in various fields of my vineyards, sometimes uprooting the seeds of unrighteousness that were sown uh, through human failure and flesh, other times removing the thorns of mistrust that had been placed in the hearts of my people who were committed to the visions of those fields. And then breaking up the fallow ground as it had laid idle and unproductive for a season. And then planting new seed and recultivating with new life the vision set forth. All of these things, saith God, have been pleasing in my sight. And it was and is your willingness and your faithfulness that has propelled you to the place in which you now stand and will now move you into a new season of blessing and increase and advancement, both personally and corporately, saith God. Doors that seem to have been closed, barriers that seem to have been impenetrable, those doors will now be accessed. Those barriers will be shattered by the power of God. And great advancement shall occur. Every need will be supplied. Every favor necessary for the fulfillment of my plan and purpose here will be granted. And those who have been assigned to this vision by my ordination and those who will likewise be drawn here by my spirit, you'll join hands, you'll join hearts, you'll join faith, and together you will influence this city and this community and this region for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So be encouraged and continue to move forward, saith the God, for I am with you, and it shall all come to pass. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, the devil's a mean devil. He puts up resistance, but he's no match for the Holy Ghost. No match for the Word of God. So, I said all that to say, friends, as you're moving forward as a local church, don't let anything or anyone separate you from your God-appointed placement in the body of Christ as it pertains to the local church. Don't let offense come. Don't let discouragement come. Don't let personal preference enter in. Let's stay hooked up. Let's supply the vision of this house, and let's make an impact on this community. I'm excited. I don't even go to church here, and I'm excited. Amen.
So with all that said, it just seemed good to me and the Holy Ghost this morning that we should kind of have what we call a celebration service. Anybody like to celebrate? I mean, just begin to praise God for not only what he has done in this house, but what he is doing and in anticipation of what he's about to do. So, you know, if we're going to have a celebration service, I just want to lay a foundation from the Scripture from which to operate because I want you to know everything we do scriptural, right? Whatever you do, it should be in the Word of God. So let's just lay a quick foundation. Now, in the Old Testament, there was what we call a priesthood. How many of you are aware of that? In the Old Testament, there was a priesthood in the, in the nation of Israel. It was the responsibility of the priesthood to offer what we call the sacrifices and the offerings that were required as ordinances of worship under the Old Covenant. There were daily sacrifices, weekly sacrifices, annual sacrifices, wave offerings, grain offerings, you know, sin offerings, you name it, they had it. And it was the responsibility of the priesthood to offer those sacrifices. Now, how many of you realize that in the New Testament dispensation, the office or the institution of the priesthood still exists? Really? Yeah. How do you know? Because the Bible tells us. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, notice, you are a chosen generation. Now, you'll have to forgive the King James guys, but that's what I grew up on, and I just, I try to quote scriptures, and I get all messed up, so I went back to it. You are a chosen generation, a what? Royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Well, we know that's true, right, to some people in here. Now I'm just kidding. That you should show forth the praises of him that has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So here we are, the New Testament sons and daughters of God, born of God, heirs of God. We also make up the priesthood. And it is the responsibility of the priesthood to offer the sacrifices that are required as ordinances of worship under the New Covenant. Now, we know in the Old Testament, they had a sin problem, right? How many of you know they had a sin problem? So, we understand in the Old Testament, God said, look, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He said, look, we got a sin problem, and the wages or the payment or the compensation necessary for that sin is death. He said, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to devise a temporary solution for this sin problem. And here's what we'll do. Every single year, once a year, the high priest and only the high priest will come into the Holy of Holies, which was the inner chamber of that tabernacle or that temple where the Shekinah glory of God was in manifestation. And he said, that priest will come in. And man, they, they tied a rope around this guy's ankle and bells on his robe. So he'd move, and if he did anything wrong, out of line with God's instructions, he'd fall dead, and they'd have to drag that guy out by that rope. Thank God we're in a new covenant. Oh, that was serious business. But he'd go in there, and he would offer the blood of a calf and a goat on the altar and sprinkle it on the mercy seat as payment, because the payment necessary for sin is 
death. So he would offer the blood of that animal as payment for the sins of the people for one year. Now you say, why blood, man? Why blood? Well, Leviticus 17, 11. Notice what it says. The life of the flesh is in the what? In the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement or payment for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement or compensation or payment for your soul. So when he poured out the blood of those animals, it was a symbolic of pouring out the life of that animal. And God said, look, I'll take the life of the animal as a substitutionary sacrifice for yours. And we will do this every single year until I can send the final solution, which he did. Matthew 121. Matthew 121. She shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. How? How? By shedding his own blood. Right? The Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world, shed his blood upon the altar of the cross, the perfect lamb, eternally purging the sins of every one of us who will receive that sacrifice. Isn't that awesome? That sacrifice never has to be offered again. Woo! Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12 Notice what the Bible says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. That particular sin offering never has to be offered again. And yet now, there's still sacrifices that have to be offered by the priesthood in the New Testament dispensation. What kind of sacrifices are they? Well, the Bible tells us, 1 Peter 2, 5. Notice, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, yeah, to offer up what kind of sacrifices? Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So the sacrifices that you and I are to offer this morning as the New Testament priesthood, they're spiritual in nature and origin. And the Bible tells us exactly what those sacrifices consist of in the New Testament. There's several, but we'll look at one of them, says Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is one of the sacrifices we're to offer. I beseech you or beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So one of the sacrifices that God says, hey, as my child and as my priest, I want you to offer this. I want you to offer your body and I want you to offer your life a moment by moment, day by day sacrifice. Worship is not an event. It is a lifestyle. From the time we open our eyes in the morning till the time we lay our head down at night, God said, live this thing with me and for me and in me. Right? So that's one of the sacrifices we're to offer, but that's not my point. Here's the one we're going to, we're going to demonstrate this morning. And that's found over in Hebrews 13 and 15. Hebrews 13 and 15, notice by him, that's talking about by Jesus Christ, therefore, 
let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Now notice he gives us the, the exact definition of what this praise consists of. The sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name. So the New Testament defines what the sacrifice of praise consists of. It demands the expression of the heart in thanksgiving to God through the lips or the mouth. Now, in our modern society, people have become unaccustomed and uncomfortable with expressing their heart. You see what I mean? They'd rather substitute an external action for an internal response. It's fine to praise God and give you, you know, clap with the music and so forth. But if somebody says, hey, let's praise God, that means at some point that mouth has to come open. That heart has to begin to say, I love you. I thank you. I praise you. The fruit of my lips giving thanks unto your, unto your name. That denotes relationship. Man, when you love somebody, you communicate with them. Not so much if they're just, you know, an associate somewhere. But I mean that kind of heartfelt praise demands the expression of the heart through the lips or the mouth. So in Psalm 34 and verse 1, does the Bible tell us that? Yeah. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be where? In my mouth. So something needs to be happening here when you're praising God, right? <laughs> In my mouth. Here's another one, Psalm 71 and verse 8. Notice, let my mouth, my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thine honor all the day. So once again, we're going to praise God in this house this morning. We're going to offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. Now, I, as your pastor said, I taught at uh, Rama Bible Training College, uh, uh, taught various courses. So I do, I've done my research, you know. I want to give you some definitions of the word praise both from the Hebrew and the, word, and the Greek, so that you understand the entire concept of what we're talking about. Now, in the Hebrew, you've got about five words that give you the totality of what it means to praise God. Are you ready? So if I'm going to praise God, number one, the first definition of praise in the Hebrew means to shine, shine. That has something to do with your countenance. You cannot praise God with an old mully grub face. Well, he's been good to me. Well, I don't believe you. Right? Shine. Something on the inside ought to be showing up on the outside. There should be some kind of light in your eyes when you're praising God. It means to shine. Now, here's the second meaning. To make a show. I'm just telling you what that means, to make a show. Make a show. What are you talking about? There should be some kind of demonstration. Somebody should know. When somebody makes a show, man, you, you're just kind of watching something, right? Something's going on. So when there's praise involved, there's going to be some shining. There's going to be making a show. The third meaning in the Hebrew means to boast, to boast. Now, when you boast about somebody or something, what do you do? Man, you talk about how awesome they are, how amazing you are, how faithful you've been, 
how great you are, right? You're boasting. So you're shining, you're making a show, you're boasting. Now, here's my favorite. Number four, it means to celebrate. <laughs> anybody ever seen anybody celebrate? <laughs> how many sports fans do we have in here? Come on. What do you like? Football, basketball, hockey, what? Soccer. Let me tell you something. When you go to a football game or you go to a hockey game or soccer game, whatever it is, and one of the, the team members makes a goal and you are a fan, you don't sit there and say, well, isn't that wonderful, Martha? <laughs> I made a goal. I'm so excited. Is that, that is not a fan, man. When somebody... <laughs> Somebody makes a goal, and you're a fan. I mean, you're jumping, woo, and you're hugging people, and you're running around, woo, and nobody thinks anything about it. Nobody thinks anything about it. Why? Because, oh, man, they're a fan. Let me tell you something. Jesus did a lot more than take a bag of wind down the field or kick it through the field goal. He saved us. He delivered us. He redeemed us. We can celebrate a little bit, right? Fans of Christ. So it's all right. So shine, make a show, right? Boast to celebrate. That's a part of praise. And then the final one in the Hebrew number five, to commend or speak favorably of. So there's your mouth again, to commend or speak favorably of. Thank you, Lord. Commending. If you commend someone, hey, that was great praise and worship this morning. Thank you. You're speaking favorably of them. You're awesome, Father. Thank you. You made me a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Thank you, Lord. You delivered me from the power of darkness. You translated me into the kingdom of your dear son. Thank you. You took me out of death into life. Thank you that you've called me your son. I give you praise. Commending, right? And then now here's the Greek. Very simple, just one definition there. The genuine, that means heartfelt. The genuine confession. There's your mouth again. The genuine confession of facts in one's life that brings glory to God. What do you mean? Well, that's when he saved you, delivered you from alcoholism and drug addiction. Turned your marriage around, saved your kids, helped you get that job, helped you pay your house note when there was no way you didn't know how it was going to happen. Are you listening? Healed your body when the doctor said, hey, there's nothing we can do for you. Anybody in this room ever been healed? Raise your hand if you have. Genuinely healed. Wow, awesome. So, you know, giving him praise for that and thanking him because he's good. So 1 Chronicles 16, 34, and I'm closing, says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? Why? And, I, and you guys don't have to come up. I'm going to take care of you. At the end, y'all don't have to come up until pastor comes. I'm going to use some tracks. So anyway, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? Because he is good, friends. He's good, man. And his mercy endures forever. Why do I give him thanks? Well, one good reason. He's good. Well, I don't have anything to be thankful for. Well, you're not going to hell, are you? That's something to be thankful for. Man, I tell you what. Here's a couple of other good scriptures. Psalm 92 and verse 1. 
92 and verse 1, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Listen to this one. Psalm 35 and 28. My tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. Now, I like this in the Living Bible. Notice what he said. I will tell everyone. Huh? Yeah, I'll tell everyone how good and how great you are. I'll praise you all day long. The psalmist said, man, I'm going to tell everybody <laughs> how good and how great you are. Amen? Amen. How many of you ready to tell some folk? So here's what we're going to do this morning. Now, I've given you some scriptures, you know, regarding the sacrifice of praise. We're going to offer the sacrifice of praise in this house. We're going to do it corporately. We're going to do it personally. But I want you to understand this also, friends. There is power in praise. And I'm talking about genuine praise. When it comes from the heart, through the mouth, in thanksgiving, there's power in praise. Things can happen in this assembly this morning. You can come in one way and go out another. Are you listening? How do you know things happen in praise? Well, we've got scriptural uh, precedent in many places, Acts 16, let, let's look at this, and this is our last scripture. Acts 16, verse 25 and 26, notice, and at midnight, things look pretty bad. Paul and Silas prayed. Well, thank God for prayer, right? It's good to pray. Paul and Silas prayed and did what? Sang praises unto God in a real reverent, quiet little voice so they wouldn't disturb any other prisoners. Is that what it said? No, man. The prisoners heard them. So what they were doing, they were doing with boldness. They were doing with some, you know, gusto. <laughs> That's an old word. But anyway, Pastor and I said it at the same time, didn't we? <laughs> so, man, they were, you know, excited about it. They're praising God. And everybody in the prison heard them and then notice what happened. Is there power in praise? Absolutely notice. And suddenly... There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, man. And notice, not just Paul and Silas's chains, not just Paul and Silas's doors, but every what? Every door. All the doors were opened. Everyone's bands in the vicinity were loosed. This morning, we're going to stand up in a minute. We're going to thrive, to prosper, to enlarge. Now, I like this part. To enter a period of highest productivity, excellence, and influence. And that's where you're headed. You're going to enter a period of highest productivity, excellence, and influence. I'm telling you. So we might as well just set it in motion this morning with some high praise in here. Right? So we're going to praise God for who he is and what he's done. And then I'm going to ask different ones of you. And you ain't going to sit out there and look at me either. Because this demands audience participation. I'm going to ask different ones of you. Listen now. As your heart prompts you. And don't worry. I'm not going to come over there and get you. But as your heart prompts you. Are you listening? I'm going to ask different ones of you as your heart prompts you to come up here. 
And you, if you're young, you can step up this way. Well, I don't want to say that because some people. But, you know, if you're able, just step right up. If you feel more comfortable, you can walk around this way. I'll call one at a time from, from one side of the, you know, the platform to the other. And I want you to come up here and tell us something good God has done for you. Offer what? I want you to offer a sacrifice of praise. Now, listen to me. I'm going to say this as nice as I can. I don't want a mini-sermon. We don't want your latest revelation from the Scripture. We appreciate it. But that's not what this is about. This is a short, concise praise report. I always say headlines, no fine print. All right? I'll hold the mic. And if God ever healed you, see, friends, you got to tell these things because it encourages people. They may be where you were, and they need encouragement. So if he's healed you, if he delivered you, if he blessed you, your kids, your marriage, your family, your job, whatever, if these pastors and this church has been a blessing to you, just come tell us very short, concise, give God praise. And when you do, we're going to make a show. We're going to get happy. We are going to what? We're going to celebrate the goodness of God. Why? Because he's worthy of it. Amen. It's not a rock concert. This is a praise rally. And we ought to outdo the rock concert in our shouts and in our praise and in our adoration. So here's what we'll do. We're going to praise God initially with a corporate shout. I don't care if you've never done it before. Just let it rip. Right? Oh, come on. I got some, I got a shouter back there. And then as I, then I'll ask for different ones of you to come and I'll call you one at a time. I'll hold the microphone. And you tell us something good God's done for you. Start thinking about it. Now I saw your hands I right over here where you said, hey man, God healed me. So I got you pegged. So you got to come tell us what he did for you. In a very, let's celebrate. All right. And then we'll give one final shout of praise. Everybody stand up in this house. Bill, Don, you got me ready back there in the back. All right. All right. Brandon. All right. Are you guys ready? Now, listen, don't, don't make me shout by myself. I will, but I'd rather have company. All right. And, and what are you doing? Man, we're just we're shouting to God. Telling him how awesome he is.